This is Smarter Markets Presents. Join David Greeley as he connects with the leaders at the forefront of carbon and climate at AIDA's North America Climate Summit, an official accredited event of New York Climate Week 2023 and the UN General Assembly 2023. This episode is presented by Base Carbon, sensible carbon investing. For more information, visit basecarbon.com. Hello, Leslie. Thanks for joining us here on Smarter Markets at AIDA's North America Climate Summit 2023. Thanks, David. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the Apex team for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely, because I really wanted to hear what you at Terra Global are up to. And you know, I'm really curious. There's so much conversation at the conference about the carbon markets. How do the carbon markets fit into what you're doing to advance climate action? Well, uh, since I founded Terra Global in 2006, so more than 17 years ago, we were founded to attract private sector capital to what's now called nature-based solutions. It has a whole bunch of other names along the way. Um, and to be able to do that, you have to have a market for this carbon asset uh, that's created by implementing projects on the ground that reduce deforestation, increase tree cover, and then improve community livelihoods. So carbon markets are essential to us delivering on our goal, our mission, and and you know, aligned with our values to really benefit communities. Right, and as you said, you've been doing this for quite some time. A lot of people got involved in the carbon markets over just the f- past few years, and you know, had a few years of very tremendous growth. And then just this year, I would say, is more of a challenging year, more growing pains. So whether it's compliance markets, where trying to get Article Six markets operationalized or in the voluntary carbon markets where some uh, nature-based projects like the RED have come under assault in the media with questions raised about reputation. I'm curious, how has this year you know, and some of the challenges in the carbon markets affected you or how you're thinking about your approach? Well, as you said, you know, we've been at this for a long time and there have been haters along the way, (laughs) off and on for quite some time. I think this year's, you know, this year or over the last year where we've seen uh, both articles in the press, as well as even some academics and NGOs continuing to throw stones at uh, things that really have been tested, you know, things like greenhouse gas quantification for nature-based projects, community benefit. It's, it's, it's kind of frustrating, to be honest. And I think the approach that we have is to put our head down and do our job, which is to deploy capital from our Terabella nature-based solutions carbon pool into good projects on the ground to produce high quality multiple benefit credits and continue to invest in improving your effectiveness and implementing on the ground, the accuracy and use of technology and the greenhouse gas accounting. So we're just going to keep doing our job and um, let the haters be there. Focus on the projects, focus on the work. And, you know, one thing I was interested in is you know, we're getting towards the end of the second day of the conference, and there's always interesting things on the stage, but often there's lots of interesting conversations in hallways and side rooms. I'm curious, were there any ideas that you wanted to bring to share with market participants this week or any ideas you've heard that you're like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to take that one away with me. I'm really happy you asked me that um, because we, you know, in looking at the criticism, oftentimes not very justified criticism, but looking at it as someone who both develops and invests in projects, we're never going to go at the Guardian directly. We're never going to be able to spend the time to try to demonstrate how some of those academic studies weren't done in an appropriate way. But one of the things that's sort of forming for us is this whole concept of just transition through nature-based solutions. And when you think about 
uh, just transition started in the U.S. and it meant that if you're moving to a green economy, you cannot leave people behind. You cannot disadvantage people that are lower income, different socioeconomic classes. But when we think about just transition for nature-based solutions, and we focus entirely in developing countries, right? So if you think about first, almost all developing countries have between 60 and I'd say 90% of their NDC coming from forestry and agriculture. So the only way they're going to meet their NDCs is through forestry and agriculture. So that's one thing. And then when you read into their NDCs, of that, generally the majority of it, sometimes as much as 80% is what's called conditional, meaning they're going to promise to do this. This The only way that they're going to be able to have a meaningful impact on global climate. and But they're not going to do it unless they have funds. So when you think about a just transition, it's our imperative, the capital markets, investors, asset owners, is to, to boy capital here and figure out the best way to do it to both create the climate impact and the rural development impact that, that we can. And there's a, people that have been talking about just transition for nature-based solutions for some time, but it's at a fairly theoretical level. So ILO and IUCN, they have some papers. And what we're really trying to do is take that need, that requirement, and ensure when we put money to the ground that the design of the program, the inclusion of communities, the transparency, the governance, the gender equity, all of these things take that commitment to, you know, just transition all the way down to the boots on the ground. So that's kind of something that we're test driving and we're trying to figure out how to be a leader in, in promoting that. Um, so I'm glad you asked because we sort of trying it out. We're thinking about putting a thought piece together to take what is out there and make it more pragmatic and practical when you're talking about private sector climate finance. Right. And it's so important because, you know, I think what we saw this year is that if you're not if you're not having your own narrative out there, your own story of what you're doing, other people will fill the gap with a lot of criticism. And I think what's been seen over the years is that the best way to get money to a lot of these projects in developing countries is through the voluntary markets. I'm curious, have you seen like a pullback? Like, is it getting harder to get the capital to invest after the events of the past year? I do think it's been a little bit harder to capital raise, but it's also been a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because people will say, well, not, not too much is trading, whether, you know, in the, in the voluntary market. And part of that is because the standards have gone through this enormous period of uncertainty, operational challenges because of the rapid growth. And so when people see not a lot trading, then they think risk. And then they think, well, I'm not sure I'm ready to deploy my capital. But I can tell you, like, we, we are seeing high quality credits trade for prices way higher than you know you type into Google and find out what a credit is. And so and part of the reason that there there's not that much trading is because there's been such a backlog in the standards. I think we'll start to see that change because things are you probably saw Vera, the new era of Vera, uh, which in the nature sector they're one of the biggest one of the biggest standards out there. So we're going to hopefully see that start to free up some. And I, I really do think capital's coming in because we're continuing to raise money for our fund. And we are seeing corporates as well as financial return investors with a climate mandate still interested and wanting to learn more. But it's new to a lot of them. Like, what is the risk of a structure that has a return from selling carbon in either voluntary or sort of even pre-compliance, if you could call it that market? Right. And I'm sure you've seen the ups and downs in the carbon markets over the years. And this might be the first 
you know, down that anyone's experienced over the past two, three years. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's so funny because um, when I founded Terra in 2006, knowing that, uh, you, know, the, you know, carbon credit, the carbon asset was the thing that would drive private sector, I thought, you know, it's going to be two to four years until there's adequate demand to attract private sector capital. Well, 15 years later, it finally <laughs> happened. And it happened pretty big. And, it, you know, it's been like that. And then in the last six months or so, we've definitely seen some uh, drop off. But I'm, I'm convinced that if we continue to do the job that we need to do, do it well, do it fairly, transparently, and continue to invest in both technology as well as techniques, that this market will be booming. Yeah, and we don't want to wait another 15 years, that's for sure. Absolutely. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, in terms of, is if there was one thing you could pick of like, if we can get this right, get this developed, that will really help us move quickly. I don't know whether it's standards, something in technology, something in tools, something in education and communication. Is there something that you would pick as the critical thing for us to develop next? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple of not like, you know, earth shattering ideas. Um, I think one thing is, is more around stabilizing something that without it, we cannot have a market. And that's really, again, going back to the standards and maybe having some choice of standards, but knowing that what the standards are going to be, because we're making an investment two to three years before the first credit's issued. So if you've made an investment under a certain standard with projections of how many credits are going to be able to be used to repay that investment, and then all of a sudden standards change, it makes it really, really difficult. So not, ev you know, like some, you know, evolutionary or revolutionary thing it would be more stability in the standards. And then in, in our side of things where we, we do do everything across the nature sector, but particularly in what's called avoided unplanned deforestation and degradation, where you have to use historic deforestation and degradation to predict the future so that you have a baseline to measure against. And so what we've done is we've done a lot of work in using new remote sensing images. And what's really important now, and this is a little bit nerdy and technical is that the standards are requiring that the measurement of the deforestation and degradation rates happen at a jurisdiction, even if you're investing in a, a project that's within the jurisdiction, right? And so what's what's happening is, is that now you not only have to have good historical deforestation degradation, now to be fair, have a just transition, you have to be able to predict where across that jurisdiction in the future deforestation degradation is going to happen. So if you have one project over here that has no roads, no rivers, nothing by it, and then you have this other project over here that's right you know, across rivers, they're not going to have the same baseline deforestation rate. So we have that it's called spatial allocation nesting for those of us in the sort of red space know this. And so we have some technology called TerraChange that we continue to invest in using good quality image, image processing classifications, and then being able to predict using statistical models that are spatially fit for spatial variables like distance to road, a forest density, and to be able to predict across the landscape so everybody gets the proper accounting. Because otherwise, you have a transfer of wealth, which when I say that to a project owner, they don't know what I mean. But you, coming from you know, finance background, you know what I mean, the transfer of wealth. And that's something that that technology has to become more, not just us using it, but more applied efficiently and effectively uh, across the sector. And it's great to hear you get into some of the 
nerdier subjects because I think often when you read things in the media, it makes it sound as if a lot of this work is like guesswork as opposed to the level of technical rigor that yeah. goes into it and thoughtfulness. Yeah, it's an, and we've built these tools and, and technology over you know 17 years and we continue to invest in them. And, and one of the things, again, for avoided unplanned deforestation degradation, it's great to see that you we have more images, higher resolution, higher temporal frequency so that we can get a better sense of a better quantification of the deforestation and degradation. Because in a lot of places, degradation can account for a large portion of the emissions coming from forests. Well, I'm glad you're focused on the work. Thanks for taking some time away from it to speak with us. Thank you so much, David. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. This is Smarter Markets Presents. This episode is presented by Base Carbon, a financier of projects involved primarily in the global voluntary carbon markets. Base Carbon endeavors to be the preferred carbon project partner in providing capital and management resources to carbon removal and abatement projects globally and, where appropriate, will utilize technologies within the evolving environmental industries to enhance efficiencies, commercial credibility, and trading transparency. For more information, visit basecarbon.com. Base Carbon. Sensible carbon investing. This is Smarter Markets Presents. For episode transcripts and additional episode information, including research, editorial, and video content, please visit smartermarkets.media. Please help more people discover the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. Smarter Markets is presented for informational and entertainment purposes only. The information presented on Smarter Markets should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed on Smarter Markets are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's hosts or producer. Smarter Markets, its hosts, guests, employees and producer, Abex Technologies, shall not be held liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based on informational viewpoints presented on Smarter Markets. Visit smartermarkets.media to learn more.